0: So, our beliefs are foundational because we build our lives on them. They shape our thoughts, influence our decisions, and determine our actions. Most people usually think about like religious or spiritual beliefs when we talk about beliefs, but they're also beliefs we have about ourselves, others, and the world around us. Some of our beliefs are conscious and deliberate, while others are subconscious and deeply ingrained. The practice of understanding and challenging our beliefs is essential for personal growth and transformation. Whether we realize it or not, our beliefs are constantly guiding and shaping our lives. If you are in a space where what you believe is changing, then this episode is for you. Hi, I'm Pam Williams, a mother. And I'm Jessica E. Williams, a daughter. And this is A Mother and a Daughter Truthful Chat, where we discuss our
1: 35-year multi-layered relationships. We've been through so many ups and downs. Not only are we family, but we're business partners in the high-stress world of event planning and production for short films. We've also shared the same therapist for over 10 years.
0: What some people call codependence, we call collaboration. So join us as we share stories from our lives, have candid conversations with other mother-daughter duos,
1: and shed light on the roller coaster ride of being a woman while raising a woman. So welcome back to Truthful Chats. I hope it's welcome back, right? We've been doing these a while now. Uh, Truthful Chats, 20 minutes or less designed to help us create, get to the point where we're operating in generational wellness. More about that in the description box below. So each month we have a Create Generational Wellness theme for the month. And on Thursday evenings, we kind of unpack that theme a little bit, talk about it, see what we can come up with that we hope helps you. And so the theme for March is Believe. And today's episode is all about believing in the power of choice. Today we're discussing how beliefs start, how they affect you, how they shape you. And then we'll give you a few practical steps if it might be time for you to change your belief system just a little bit. Big facts. So let's jump right into it. First
0: off, what are beliefs? I talked about this a little bit in the intro, but they are uh, ideas attitudes and opinions that we ultimately hold to be true and where do beliefs come from well that's sort of a layered question because there's a variety of places uh definitely from our childhood um our culture our personal experiences and our interactions with others so what we believe is shaped by again the messages that we receive from these interactions from our families from our friends from our communities and even from the media particularly if you're a 90s kid like myself and you grew up in the early 2000s, you got a lot of messages about things for the good and for the bad. Uh, they can be positive and empowering, or they can be really, really negative and limiting. And quite often, they're not really objective or based on any particular nope. facts. It's just kind of you know programming, but we'll get into that another time. Uh, personal experience also, again, have a significant impact <clears throat> on your beliefs um positive experiences reinforce your positive beliefs while of course negative experiences reinforce your negative beliefs so our beliefs are based on our interpretation of reality and our perspectives and so you know, how people talk about like we take a filter into every situation and so that's mm-hmm. sort of the filter that we all carry so sometimes we actually seek out information that confirms what we already believe which is uh known as confirmation bias, if you ever have heard that term. And instead, we should be taking the time to find out if we believe what we believe is actually really
1: true, true or not, Yeah,
0: based on some sort of objective reality, not just a subjective reality. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So as just said, in the intro, beliefs have a profound impact on our thoughts, our actions, the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way we see the world. It all is kind of based on our belief system. And that can either empower us or it can hold us back. If we believe that we are capable, powerful of achieving our goals, then we're more likely to take action toward them and move forward. If we believe that we are not powerful or we've had negative experiences (coughs) or had people say negative things to us, um, it may make us believe that maybe we're not worthy of what we're dreaming about or we're not able to accomplish it. So, um, (laughs) excuse me it's really important that you listen and try and figure out what have I been told and how is that impacting the way that I live now experiences from our past we were talking about this earlier today mental mind and I was telling Jess believe it or not when I was growing up I wanted to be an architect I just thought that was I don't know if there was a tv show on about architects or something but I got this dream in my mind that I wanted to be an architect and I was a pretty good student I got you know good grades, all my life, everything. And then I got to high school Ew. and I got a D in geometry. First D I ever had in my entire life. And I think I was in the probably 10th or 11th grade. I was devastated. We got tutors, we got this, we got that. Cause I was like, I can't keep getting, and I got D's all the way through first semester, second semester of the first half of the year, first semester, second semester. straight D's. And can I just
0: say this I had the nicest geometry teacher but geometry is really sort of a dumb math like if you don't need it for your career path oh my you really shouldn't be learning I think Majority math, if you don't have to do with money, you really should have know it. But uh, yeah, but can you Your imagine? Brain, but they say people who are good at geometry aren't good at algebra. People who are algebra aren't necessarily good at geometry. So. And it's
1: absolutely true. But the true. fact that I was not good at a math that was based on spatial things well, yeah, well, made well, me say architect. No, no way, this is not going to happen. Now, kind of backside of the story, we came to find out that our geometry teacher was deaf in one ear, That's and so thing. it was the craziest thing. But they finally found out that a lot of the questions we were asking him, he wasn't hearing the right question. So he was giving us a different answer. But that aside, it made me decide I did not, I did not have what it took to be an architect. Um, And so it affected, you know, it can affect your emotions, your well-being, what you think of yourself. It can cause you anxiety and distress and discomfort. I was like stressed out. I mean, terrible. I never had a D before, right? But on the other hand, I got to college and like Jess just said, if you're good in algebra, you're not good in geometry. So I got to college. A in algebra, A in statistics, which made me say, OK, you're not math. Impacted, you know what I mean? You can do math impacted. you actually can do math. And so that gave me the confidence I needed to go on and ultimately major in economics. Um, which is very math-based. So I was like, okay. I but can you see how that could have like impacted yes. my whole life and okay. where I actually wound up if I hadn't come back from that was something that changed what I was actually believing about myself.
0: We all have a subject that got us. Yeah. <laughs> it made us doubt ourselves.
1: Yeah. yeah. You have a story. What about when you were in elementary school? Do you remember it or do, do I just remember it? Oh, I was... You remember it more so than I do, but Mm -hmm. I
0: was in elementary school and I was supposed to be doing. I guess it was a Black History Month presentation. Yeah, in Burbank, by the way. um, Take from that what you will, but um, I had a
1: really bad case of stage fright, and there were two assemblies. There was like an eight o'clock assembly, and then an eight thirty assembly, and then there was going to be a ten thirty. I
0: do remember feeling very overwhelmed in general. So I just with life at that time, like we had moved from New New York. York. here i was on the only black kids it was a very uncomfortable time so i just remember like being super overwhelmed so i bust out crying in the first assembly and couldn't do
1: uh i didn't do it she just didn't she choked and so all her teachers you know i went up at the end and i was like what happened blah 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 i couldn't and her teacher said she doesn't have to do it she'd ask that oh no 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 she has to do it black mamas she has to do it so I stood there and I told her, I said, I'm going to have the video camera. Don't look anywhere else in this audience. Just look at me. You had a video camera? I did. I you got, it's on t- I said, just look right at me holding this camera. And so then she got up there and she did it. She did it fine. But she went on to major in theater at the at usc so imagine oh, if she had never gotten over that stage fright. who knows she may have never ever gotten on stage again so i'm just saying that sometimes these beliefs like impact you so much that they affect the trajectory of your life and that's not what you, um, you, know what you want to do you know we're all about creating generational wellness and so what would that have looked like had i never gotten over math and went on to study what i study or if she had never gotten over stage right went on to study what she studied. Like all these things are in your family, your family dynamic, your childhood, your history, and they impact you. So it's a combination of what you choose to believe. Some of it is inherited. inherited. Some of it came from your upbringing, your culture, your experiences that happened to you, just like we were just talking about. And it shapes your belief. But at some point, At some point, like I had to discover, wait, you're not bad at math. You can really do this. Had to discover, I'm not afraid to be on stage. I'm an actor, you know? Um, So you may discover that you've changed and something in you has changed. And so that ultimately means that your belief and your values have changed and they may not necessarily line up with what you grew up with. That makes sense.
0: And that's not true because ultimately the new you might not gel so well Particularly in family dynamics, um, where you know they don't—they're not vibing with your newfound beliefs or whatever you're uh, dealing with at that particular time. And so you need to sort of identify what those differences are between you and your loved ones because you're family. Um, so hopefully you can have candid, open, honest conversations with your family members and try to find some common ground in approaching those situations with. Empathy, which means, you know, you want those people to uh, care about what you're saying and, you know, imagine if they were in your shoes so you guys can communicate well. So hopefully you can do that for the other person. So it's not contentious. Hopefully there is respect, mutual respect. People ain't cussing each other out and screaming and throwing things. And, um, you know, you also want to make sure that sometimes you just got to walk away. You just got to agree to disagree. And ultimately, you know, you're making a decision to step away from belief systems that no longer serve you. But that can be kind of hard and very, very challenging. And you have to remember that this is an important step in your personal growth and your development, no matter who likes it or who does not. And you have made, you've done enough self awareness, enough work on yourself to know that you can identify limiting beliefs that you have, and you want to put yourself in a position where you don't feel like those things are holding you back, and you're replacing those beliefs with more empowering beliefs. But here's a ticker. We were talking about this kicker, I should say. We we're talking about this earlier today. Sometimes when you have those beliefs, um, mm. when you're where you're bumping up against beliefs for your own empowerment and your own sanity and safety, um, it makes other people uncomfortable because maybe they try to do it earlier in the family or in the friendship group or whatever, and people really shut them down. So to see you have the courage to step out and say, I'm going against the grain and I'll cut everybody off and that's fine when I'm not advocating complete whatever. Do what you gotta do for you. But sometimes that rubs people the wrong way because maybe they didn't have the courage or the know-how or the skill set or those things to do it. So, you know,
1: pioneering is tough out here. Shall we tell our church story? Sure, go ahead. So, this is how... I think I want to tell this story because of how it looked in my generation and then how it looks for you and your generation, because I think I learned something from my experience. So I grew up Baptist, diehard Baptist. My dad was a Baptist minister, my grandfather, uh, my uncles, uh, my dad's brothers, and everybody, Baptist preachers. That's what we did in my family. Well, when I got to be about 19, maybe somewhere in there 1920, um, I was part of, you know, that new movie that's out now, Jesus Revolution with, what's his name? Oh, uh, Greg, is it great? No. Kelsey, Kelsey Grammar. Jesus Revolution. So Randall. I kind of grew up as, as a college kid in that era. So I really... With the hippies with the, the Lord. All of that and whatever. <laughs> and so I kind of migrated over into being more of what they call in black church, holy roller. You know, I... Always, I decided that there had to, I felt like there was more to
0: going to, church anyway. going
1: to church and being better. And, and I kept hearing about the Holy Spirit and I didn't see that in our church, except for people shouting and falling out. And I was like, well, there must be something more to this. So anyway, started to investigate, started to do my own research, made me come up with some different belief systems and values about who God was and what that looked like. And then ultimately I stopped going to the Baptist church and I started going to the Coach church for a minute. And oh, then, the Coach, and then, I and that was my favorite. I go to regular church in the morning and <laughs> church at night. And then I wound up, you know, non denominational, which was big in the 80s and all that. So, um, totally different belief system from my family when it came to religion, and, which can be a sticky situation. And, and totally broke, Black. you know, tradition <laughs> sure. and changed belief systems and values. And it all worked out. And you know, everybody's that. So then we I grew, just love Jesus. So that's
0: then it. I grew up very non-denominational, um, and I stand by that. Like i I be in certain churches like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> I'm just here for Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and that's all I know. We'll get into these spiritual discussions anyway. But, you know, some of y'all stopped going to church in a pandemic because you couldn't get in the building. I stopped going to church in the building uh, less and less, like two, three years before lockdown. So for me, it wasn't really an adjustment. Yeah, it wasn't an adjustment when they were like, you know, i attend a church that has an incredible online uh, ministry. So I was fine. Some people were devastated. But, you know, so my parents don't they don't jump on me about not getting up and going out the house and forsaking the fellowship with the saints. You know, all the scriptures they use um, to bring you down sometimes. But they're like. I still love Jesus. I be watching sermons as much as I be watching any other of my favorite TV shows. So I haven't abandoned the faith just because I'm not in the building. And I have a lot of friends that I like that as well. So that could have been a contentious situation. Thank God we have a great family relationship that it wasn't. But you know praying for y'all. Please use some of these uh, <laughs> skills
1: and, and tactics we're giving you. And we
0: about to give you some we'll uh,
1: yeah, tips. Yeah, I think so. I think that's good. You know, like I said, conversation to show how it changed from my generation to her generation. And if you make that decision, you can help push the needle a little bit. So here are some tips that can help you. All right. You don't write them down. Identify the limiting beliefs that you feel are holding you back. All right identify them first and then kind of do a little research on them and you in order to do this you might have to journal some you might have to do a lot of self-reflection you might have to read some things i don't know you might have to have talks with a trusted friend who is a truth teller not a yes no, person. Yes, man. no yes all right man. you need somebody that if it's necessary to say to you, have you really thought about that? Maybe there's this side of the coin. You need somebody in your life that can always be that person that can have you look at something a different way. Okay. And so then that way you're able to say, is my belief system supported by real evidence or is this just in my head or whatever, but get to the bottom of what you feel your limiting beliefs are. Right. Number two, consider other points of view. You have to consider another point of view. We talked about this in a previous episode when we we're talking about perspective and how you can get so entrenched in your own perspective that you can't see the opportunity for anything else. Mm-hmm. And that is not good and won't help you grow and won't help you change your belief system if it is necessary. All right. This one I think is really important. Find people who believe in the process of change. Like minds, like mental. Sometimes people have like a problem with the idea of change. And so they don't want to even consider it. And so they're not going to support you as you muse about what it is you might like to see differently in your life, right? So get you around some people that can think about change and think about it in a good way. Create positive affirmations that you can say, whatever that means for you. Mine personally is the euphemism but i say that i'm going to talk myself off the ledge in the morning before i get up because there is so much in the world that can bombard you and you start thinking about things and whatever and you just want to crawl back in the bed some days and pull the cover over and say i don't i don't want to deal with any of this but you kind of have to say whatever it is you need to say take 15 20 minutes in the morning give yourself a way to like get moving examine what you believe about today oh yeah i love that protect your energy. All right. And then number five, take action. Even if you feel uncertain about what you're doing, about what your belief system might be changing to, take an action. I started sneaking off, going to the Kojic church because I felt like there was something a little bit different. Um, or, you know, read a book, talk to, you know, a therapist, you know, us, we believe in Jesus and therapy over here. Um and do things that will reinforce your new beliefs and your confidence. You know, I was thinking about that movie Soul Food. If you have a tradition of a Sunday dinner at your family's house, and then by seven o'clock every Sunday night, somebody gets mad, cuss somebody out, get whatever. It's not healthy by the way. That's not healthy, it's not healthy for you. <laughs> you gotta start your week with all that drama, and you know good and well, you don't really wanna go. So take actions, baby steps. Maybe you start like not going every Sunday and then go every other Sunday and then back down to one Sunday and then don't go. Protect your energy.
0: Protect your energy. Until the people get together. All right. All right. So we're almost at 20 minutes. We're going to go a little bit over today. It's not going to happen hopefully that often, but we got important things to say okay so we hope that this was helpful um at the end of the day empowering yourself through your beliefs is a really really important process but it's also a lifelong process so this ain't one of them things that we told y'all and y'all should be like well next week i'm i'm letting everybody have it like wow i'm putting all the all the emotional bullets in the clip and i'm shooting at everybody about like just calm down okay as you evolve and grow as a person, your evolve your beliefs will evolve and grow. So just you know, yeah. take it one day at a time. That's yeah. how we ask you: give yourself some grace, give um, the people some grace, please. Okay, and then don't just be focused on your beliefs. Somebody you know might come with some other beliefs, and they want grace from you. So go ahead and do that, and approach you know those either you sharing your beliefs or other people sharing their beliefs with an open mind and a willingness to change on both sides. Okay. And if y'all just like we can't do it, we can't do it. That's fine. Um, and we always have the power to to chat to challenge ourselves and transform ourselves at any point. Okay, so don't be just
1: trying to. If you change this, this and then you decide nope, that's not working either. You can you can change again. Keep the evolution going because the goal here at Create Generation Wellness is that you're living your
0: life authentically and fulfilling. And, and fulfilling your you know purpose in your life, your destiny. If you believe in that, what you ultimately believe that you're here to do, um, (laughs) make yourself and the people around you better. So hope this was helpful. Um, gave you some things to think about and, uh, all month we're looking at what we believe, why we believe it. So stick around. Also check out, we're new to this. Okay. Uh, but we're, we're true, true to it, okay. <laughs> so, like, these are conversations we be having all the time. We just are now having
1: them. If the we were form. sitting on that sofa behind us, we would be having these same conversations. So, so this, this ain't just putting put you it, in,
0: putting put on mm-hmm. for the people we we bring with. So, uh, um, check out February's episodes, January's episodes. If you gotta go, uh, we understand. But happy belated International Women's Day. I don't even know if uh, belated works here. But um, it's the day after, so I figured we do that. We hope it was great. We hope you celebrated the incredible women yourself. in your life, yourself. Okay, all the boss women, um, men don't be don't be hating, just appreciate. It. And it's also Women's History Month, so we promised you that uh, every episode we were gonna tell you about a black woman that's amazing that you may or may not have heard about. So if you can stick around for this, it's great. If not, you know, watching a replay or something. So let's get into it. All right. So today is, sorry, let me get to the full, to the fullness, huh? To the fullness. All right. This amazing black woman is Nora Holt. She is actually the first black woman to earn a master's degree in the United States. Um, Big flex, okay, on that. Uh, She's also a highly influential composer, singer, and music critic. Uh, she was actually born, you know, in that time, you just um, wipe your name like people be wiping their IG pages. So she's actually born Lena Douglas. (laughs) She was born around 1890 in uh, Kansas City. Shout out to Kansas City. She was actually a PK. That's a pastor's kid. We've been talking about church a lot today. So um, she's actually a pastor's kid and she attended the unfortunately defunct HBCU Western University in 1917. Um, Her dad actually taught there. So and Absolutely. he wrote the school song.
1: He she wrote, wrote the words to the school song, and she wrote the music to the school song. So in
0: 1917, that tracks because she got her bachelor's degree in music. And she earned her history-making degree from the Chicago Musical College. It sounds fancy, doesn't it? And this is crazy to me. You know, sometimes in school, we'd be uh, not having the right priorities. Uh, but this woman somehow managed to get this master's degree and uh, be married three different times whilst getting her degree. So, um, she stayed on track despite holistically changing husbands three times. <clears throat> um, she started her writing career in 1917 when she, uh, was hired by the Chicago Defender and she penned a lot of articles about advocating for black musicians. Cause of course, you know, people were stealing our songs, uh, writing them, not giving us credit, you know, black musicians didn't really have a lot of protection. So she was doing that. And in 1919, she... Founded, co-founded actually the National Association of Negro Musicians. Now this is interesting. The Shade Room uh, did not exist at that time, but gossip was still going around. <laughs> irregardlessly, she would have been in the She she would have been on the Shade Room because she was a socialite. And, you know, she had gentleman collars and things. And um, yeah, man, she she was in the gossip columns a lot. And then she actually ended up marrying a wealthy uh, Chicago hotel owner named George Holt. And she changed her name. I told you she'd just be changing the things up to Nora Holt. Um, And unfortunately, he died um, shortly into their marriage. But this was advantageous for her because she got to the bag, to the money, to the yams. yams. So, yams. (laughs) um, So she inherited this man's fortune
1: and she traveled the world. And but she was really active in the Harlem Renaissance, too, with all that money. So, so you know how they were getting down. Everybody needs a sponsor and a benefactor.
0: She also had various lovers. We're not here to get into her business, but she did. And she wrote 200. She composed 200 original works. So <laughs> she was getting to the bag on her own, too. Okay. Um, and then she actually ended up having a, let's see, we had three husbands in uh, college, George, she had a fifth marriage. We don't know who that was to, but Google her. Um, and it dissolved. And she resettled in Los Angeles uh, as a music teacher. And then she actually returned to New York. And she was Amsterdam News' first music critic. In 1945, she became the first Black member of the Music Critics Circle of New York and worked as a producer and director for the concert showcase radio show on WLIB. And uh, she died in 1974 in L.A. That's a long, long life. Um, so just, you know, go ahead and go ahead and Google this black woman uh, and find out more about her, man, because, you know, we got to celebrate people who did amazing things. Not just always. On love the her story. Track. Listen, Pam I always want to be the person out here living that, that rich that rich <laughs> life.
1: Okay? I love her story. She's like all know, my favorite thing. things. The Harlem Renaissance, a lot of money. You know, traveling is, all over Europe. All, all gentlemen teams.
0: callers. Amen. All the so thank y'all so much uh, for sticking around. I know we were a little on a little. It's not, it's not hard. Um, uh, but again, it's it's time for Yeah, we We're gonna be your time time. Yeah, it was good, and it's important information. Uh, we hope we helped you okay and so have you helped us have you subscribed have you followed on IG have you liked us on Facebook we are Create Generational Wellness on all platforms so with that we hope that you have a great night we'll see you next week for another episode in the Uh shout out to all the kids who know um, "When You Believe by Whitney and um, Mariah, Mariah you know, from the Prince of Egypt. That's for all the 98 kids. Anyway, <laughs> y'all have a great night, and
1: we'll see Love you Love y'all. Time. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.